This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally, Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go, business storytellers. Hey, how's everyone doing? Fist bump. Let's get today's episode going. Now, we want to talk about better online presenting. David Kerrigan wrote this book. Very, very informative. I just finished it um, not too long ago here. And what do we do? when we present online? How do we come across? How many lights do we need? How do we make ourselves look as good as we can? Did you guys know I have makeup nearby and sometimes I put it on? Before we get to David to give us the scoop, what I want to show you quickly is my daughter and I did this fun TikTok the other day about my setup. So here it is. Now, that was fun and maybe over the top. But, David, you're not saying everybody needs that kind of setup to do no, good online I'm presenting. No, I'm, I'm very much about making sure that people have what's right for them, for their particular needs. And, you know, it's a continuum if you're just trying to look a little bit better at your corporate team meeting versus, you know, you have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to present to the CEO or, you know, you're a professional presenter who is used to standing on a stage with 2000 people and suddenly, you know, you're standing, as I've found myself over the last two years, the very bizarre feeling of standing in your spare room at 3 a.m. talking to an audience of 2000 people when it feels like you're talking to yourself. Well, and I, I, I very much related to that story when you talk about that in your book, um, because I actually uh, gave a keynote at Istanbul, and then there was somewhere else, uh, Singapore, I think, um, somewhere in that part of the world. I think it was Singapore. And I'm just right here, you know, at 10 at night for Singapore. And I think Istanbul wasn't quite that bad or late. Um, but it's very different. I'm just talking to the camera than flying to any of those countries. Of course, you know... Uh, you lose the travel fun, right? I mean, that's mm. nothing we can we can do. But talk about where do people start to make their online presentation skills better? So I think the good news, I guess, for everybody is the place to start is the simple stuff, the stuff that doesn't cost any money. And it's just the things that people don't think about. And for me, it's a question of saying the areas to focus on, just cut out the simple stuff like the mistake of having a window behind you. So many people sit with a window behind them and that makes it difficult for the camera to see you, the contrast between the bright light and your face. So you end up looking very dark and then the audience can't really see you. So something as simple as just spinning around so that you're sitting facing a window and there's lots of nice light coming in on you. Um, just when you're presenting might not suit you as your actual work setup but just to put that little bit of extra thought in before you go on screen and live present to people is there something simple you can do 
And again, just pay a little bit of attention to your framing on screen. So you know, again, laptops were designed, the clue is in the name for me, they were meant to sit on your lap. They weren't meant to be what we've been asking them to do in recent times, to be essentially a, a television studio. So just make sure that you adjust the angle on the screen to try and get the camera lined up properly so that you're you know, pretty centered in the frame, not too much headroom, and it just looks well. And the thing to keep in mind is even subconsciously, when people are looking at you on the screen, they're comparing how you look to how their brain is used to processing video. And we've all spent all of our lives looking at really, really well-produced television, totally done by professional camera operators, everything in a perfectly lit environment. So our brain is actually not particularly tolerant of poor quality video. And even if we don't do it explicitly, it undermines the credibility of the person who's presenting. If they don't look polished and in focus and well-framed, it actually takes away from how well we, we're gonna receive their message. So when I read that in the book, the whole TV uh, comparison, we really kind of an eye-opening statement, quite frankly. I never thought about it that way. But I mean, let's let's take the business storytelling show. You know, I mean, people are listening to it, people are watching it, but it's me. I do everything, right? I do the lighting. I'm the I'm the interviewer. I share some stories. Every time anything happens on the screen, that's me, right? So when I look away, sometimes people go, "Well, what's he looking at?" Well, I'm looking at your audio levels, for example, or whatever, or the next clip I want to play. But people are comparing us to TV, where they got four people around me <laughs> yeah and i'm just talking and and i think i mean you you make the point as well particularly about sound and and oftentimes when i'm talking to people about their online presentation they're naturally overly worried about how they look and the strange thing is actually how you sound is more important that's not to say, so we, we'll come on and talk about video quality, I'm sure, in a few minutes. But the starting point, once you've got that basics, you know, not doing the, the silly mistakes by sitting in front of a window, get your framing right. The key thing to start focusing in on then from a technical point of view for your presentation is your sound quality. So again, in terms of the perception, people are listening to you actually more than they're looking at you when you're presenting. So how you sound, making sure your levels are okay, making sure that you're not being drowned out. I mean, one of the, the sad facts that has been exposed in the last two years really has been just how our laptop manufacturers all put the cheapest microphones and the cheapest cameras they could find into their devices because nobody was really using them. And it was just a tick box on a specification list. Oh, it has a webcam, fine. It has a microphone, okay. But the quality of them has generally been really poor. Now, there are exceptions. There are some laptops that have outstanding setups, but in general, most corporate laptops in order to keep the costs down, have poor uh, microphones and poor cameras. And the thing about the microphone is we're sitting possibly quite away from it. We're not as close as you should be to a microphone. I mean, you, anyone who's, who's watching the video of yourself, you, they can see you've got your microphone really close. Microphones do much better the closer they are to you. And the other thing then is, 
you know, that if the microphone is this tiny, cheap little component and it's buried somewhere in the innards of the laptop because nobody really thought it was important. And the next thing that's right beside the microphone is actually the fan to cool down the PC. And that noise is what your audience is going to hear. Really annoying. And again, unfortunately, you know, kind of cheap and cheerful laptops will actually, the processors in them will be struggling a little bit to generate the nice virtual backgrounds. That's quite computationally hard. So suddenly the fan kicks in and it's just that annoying drone. There's a reason that professional audio, whether it's for radio, radio studios, you know, they're soundproofed rooms. They have curtains, they have carpets to really have all the opportunity to improve the acoustics. And yet we expect, you know, a a microphone component that costs $3 that's buried in the back of a laptop to somehow produce audio that's good enough. And in fairness, it's probably amazing how, how not terrible some audio is, but I would always advise people, if you're gonna start up your game, start with your microphone, then if you have a bit more budget, come on to the camera. But spend spend thirty dollars buying an external microphone that sits there in front of your laptop, away from the fan noise, closer to you, and your audience will thank you for it. You will be the best person presenting if you start at thirty dollars. Now you can go up the scale if you want to spend more. It's really easy to spend more, but the you can get a dry, a gigantic improvement really just starting at that kind of $30 price point. And I, I justify the expense by saying, you know, I would never have thought twice about paying $30 to get an Uber to go to an office to give a presentation. And obviously, if you can't do that, then spend the $30 getting a nice uh, a nice microphone. What's interesting about that analogy, and, and I agree, but I'm a big sports fan and I don't, New York Rangers, for example, and I can watch every game. I think it's like $70, you know, for the whole season, every game on my couch through center ice. And, you know, but you think about it and you're like, well, when I used to go to games, I couldn't even get a ticket for $60 for one game. So I, I, I love that analogy looking at things. And so the way I built the show is kind of how you talk about how you talked about it right i used to only have my ipad then i would wear airpods for better audio then at some point i got a microphone this one in front of me right then at some point i got a better camera 4k camera at some point i got a little bitty light then i got a bigger light then i got another light then i got sound panels so as you saw in that tiktok this place is kind of like a studio now. I mean, it really is. But how do people decide when is the right time? So getting a mic, then get a camera. Is that it? Should they stop there? I, or I think probably for that? I think probably for most people, yeah. If you if you get the basics right of your setup, get a microphone that's a little bit better than average, get a better camera. So again, you know, most laptops have terrible quality cameras in them. So you don't need to spend a huge amount. Probably $50, $70 is, is enough to get going. Um, you don't need a 4K camera because, you know, Zoom or Teams or whatever platform you're on will be compressing that video fairly strongly. So 
there's no great need if you're not doing recordings where you're going to actually push out a 4K video. You don't need to spend that extra money on the camera in most cases. A good little tip, I think, for people they don't necessarily realize is if you have a good camera lying around the house, so there's quite a lot of people, you know, have a nice um, proper digital camera, most of them with a, a cable and a quick download of software can be turned into a really, really good camera. And if you think about it, it makes absolutely no sense if you have a $1,000 Sony or Canon digital SLR lying around the house. It makes no sense to be sending video out representing your image from a $20 component buried um, you know, that's three millimeters thick in, in a laptop lid when you have really good cameras available so for me most people unless you're actually a professional presenter uh, who's you know a, a keynote speaker going around to conferences or lecturing all you need really from a technical point of view is the better microphone the better camera and get the basics around framing and lighting right make sure you've good video so you know if if you have one of the Google Wi-Fi products or the Amazon Wi-Fi products, look for those settings that allow you to prioritize the uh, output of your laptop so that that's not going to be interrupted by the kids playing on, the, on their Xbox and, and stealing your bandwidth. That's also a tip Fred Faulkner previously shared on the show. I didn't even know about that, that you can't hmm. prioritize different devices. Um, very interesting. The other thing I had not thought about, but I probably should have, not that I have a, you know, an, any high-tech cameras lying around anyways, but if you have a good camera, you might be able to use that as your webcam. So that's a fantastic yeah. tip. Now, how about, oh, by the way, the other thing is, yes, you're absolutely correct on the 4K being pushed down to something else on a lot of networks. That drives me crazy because you got this really beautiful footage and then some networks, you know, they they still show it in 720p, 30 frames per second or, or whatever it might be. Now, when it comes to the video quality, what are, I mean, you sit in front of the light, of course, um, as you mentioned, not, not the window behind you. What are some other tips on making video quality better? I think in general, the video quality won't need an awful lot of effort. Almost any external webcam that you get, its default settings will be pretty good. Um, so the good part, I think, for people who are a little bit intimidated, maybe then think it's going to be quite technical. There really isn't an awful lot of effort if you have some decent lighting. So as I said, get as much light as you can coming onto you, whether it's one of those ring lights that you see or any get a lamp that's in the house and bounce it off the wall in front of you to give a nice soft lighting, take away some of those shadows. And then the, the cameras are all so good that they will take care of the exposure. They'll take care of, in general, they'll take care of your focus as well. So there's very little for most people to do on their video quality. If you want to go getting fancy, if you kind of get excited about it or you want to differentiate yourself, if you are, I know I was talking to a friend of mine recently who was uh, interviewing and it was an online interview process. And she was saying, you know, what, what can I do to stand out? How am I not just another talking head like all the other interviewees? So we did a quick bit of work and there's a free piece of software called OBS that you can download. 
and that allows you to do effects on your screen. It allows you to bring in a green screen if you want to improve the quality of your virtual background. And it can do things like shrink you as the presenter down to the corner of the screen and overlay you on your slides that you're presenting, which looks far more professional. Um, so there are things that you can do if you want to up your game, but I think for a lot of people, they won't really need to do that. Now, of course, you know, when I think about online presentation skills, usually I think of it in the context of a conference or a live stream or whatever it might be. But but I heard you say also it's important to do it internally, right? If you have a Zoom meeting, for example, why is that just as important to look and sound the right way on those kind of meetings? So I think, you know, the other use case then I mentioned, I think, you know, is interviewing is, is crucial if, if you're doing online interviews. But even internally, I think you would generally, if you're trying to move forward in your career, trying to impress people in the office, you, you're going to put effort in normally to give a presentation. So it should be the same online. You should be saying, how am I going to do this properly? And one of the first tips that I give people, if they say, look, there's one thing, um, and once I get over my rant about don't sit in front, of, in front of a window, in a business context, the first thing I'll say, if you're presenting, now not if you're just sitting in on a team meeting, but if you're presenting, you should stand up. Even if you're at home, in your spare room, you should stand up. Because people in an office, if they're at a meeting and they're going to present, they stand up and it just gives you more energy. And it's subtle, but that comes across to the audience because when you stand, you project better, you're much more animated than somebody who's rooted to a desk. And the simple things that you have to do to enable that, and maybe you just need to spend $15 on a clicker so that you can stand up and not have to reach for the next slide. But simple things like that, again, it may be subconscious, but it comes across to your audience because you're doing something that other people aren't. You're not just at that status quo of sitting there going, next slide, next slide, and it's really dull. So I would say to people, you know, if there's one thing you can do, it doesn't cost you, just stand up and project that energy because if people are going from online meeting to online meeting, it's very tiring, it's very draining. So anything that you can do to inject some energy into your presentation is absolutely crucial. So interestingly, I just filed an article on ChristophTrap.com, I think even earlier today perhaps, on sitting or standing during live streams and podcasts. And we had a good discussion. I, I threw that out to a number of uh, experts and I asked and it was you kind of split. You know, some people said they like to sit um, because when you have an hour long podcast or live stream, it's really hard to stand for that long. Um, and, you know, some people are too fidgety or something. Now, I typically sit, as you can see. But the reason I actually I like I, I, I get more energy when I'm standing. But I'm also, so all those things you mentioned, totally agree with them. But I, I'm pretty tall, right? So when I raise my desk up, I'm not a fan of the framing. Yes, the camera goes with the desk. It's on, on the desk on a stand. But the framing, I'm not a fan of it. And I can't recreate it the same way as I'm sitting down because it, it can't go up any higher than it already is. So it is, um, it's interesting, you know, I, I got to think about that. But, but the standing up, 
I bet you most people don't do that just because, you know, it's set up to be. It, I think for a, a lot of what I'm talking about, and, and I think it's encouraging in a way in that it's simple and it's cheap, but I think a lot of it is people just don't think about online presenting. Their, their default of everything is they sit at their laptop as if they were working and they have the pose that they're used to. They don't think about this was designed, this pose was designed for me to type an email. It wasn't designed for me to be addressing a group of very important colleagues. And that's the difference. It can be just as simple. And I've seen people with, you know, really straightforward where they've just got a pile of books and they raise their laptop up in front of them so the camera is at eye level and when they stand. And that makes a big, big difference. Um, to your point, absolutely for, you know, if it's an hour long show, maybe sitting is okay. And the way of balancing that is just remembering, just overplaying the energy slightly when you're sitting compared to what you would do normally. But if it's a, a 20 minute presentation in a business context and it's important, I do think if you can make that effort to stand, it can really help that energy, which comes across. It comes across in your voice as much as, you know, you were saying you don't like the framing of the camera. If the emphasis is all about your PowerPoint slides and your voice, then the framing is going to be less important. So you can still convey that energy effectively. And I think if you look at your opportunity then to engage with your audience, it's a no cost way of, of doing it. Yeah, very interesting. And, and the other thing is I, I do very little with PowerPoints as much as I can help it. Um, so that's, you know, so I got to, it always depends, right? So you're absolutely correct. If you have your PowerPoint is the big, is the, the, the biggest part of the screen who, I would I care if my framing of my face is not exactly perfect? Probably not. But if my face is the only thing on the screen, then it probably makes yeah. more of a difference. Very, very interesting and a distinction. Now, how do you feel about how should we dress on calls? I know we see the jokes about, you know, people wearing um, nothing at the bottom and they were, you know, a tie on the top. Um, how do you feel about how should we present ourselves when it comes to dress? I, I think it's okay to go with, as a rule of thumb, wearing what you would have worn if it was a face-to-face -face presentation is, is a reasonable starting point. But mm -hmm. I think in most contexts now, you know, a, a semi-clean shirt or t-shirt or top of some sort is, is all people are going to see, and that's fine. And I think, you know, as long as you have that, that's okay the need unless you're in a fairly rigid traditional business that expects ties I, I think they don't look great um, in most situations but again if I go back to my television metaphor from the start you know I think we're used to seeing well presented people who look clean and tidy on screen and there's no reason why we shouldn't take that into um, the online presentation space as a rule, typically for me, if I'm doing a, a keynote speech, I'll have a, a, a semi-formal shirt and I might put on a blazer if it's a, a feels like quite a traditional presentation. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't wear a tie years since I have now. Yeah, I agree with that. And the other thing is, you know, I put the jacket on now, 
but I, I got a polo on and you know it actually says the business storytelling show on there but people can't see much of you anyways yeah. right so as long as your collar looks nice or whatever that's probably as much as they can see if anything make sure you don't have any food on your face or anything yeah. like that from from lunch i think that that can be a challenge sometimes now when um what what else do people need to consider we got about two and a half minutes or so uh what are some other final tips so I, that people I, should consider i think then where, where I'd, I'd wrap up really is on around the content itself so you know we've talked really about the the techniques and the technologies of presenting but obviously the content is the crucial piece that you want to get across so if you've done everything to uh, to broadcast in the most professional manner possible with good sound good lighting good uh, camera work, the material itself. And I think where you need to change a lot of the presentations I give are quite heavily based on, on slides, PowerPoint or Google Slides. So what I would adapt to the online thing is you've got to pull more detail out of it. You cannot have text heavy slides, even, even you know, tables, anything like that. I would always start the presentation and tell people, don't be squinting at the screen. You've no idea how many people are on a phone versus an iPad versus, you know, some people will have two 25 inch monitors and can see you huge. So in order to cater for all those needs, I think I would always tell people, look, I will give you a download of the slides. You can get a PDF with all the detail. And then I would always emphasize in the presentations, I would make them as graphical as I can. So, you know, use photographs rather than words. The photograph with a nice headline and then tell your story. Don't use, don't be sucked into the belief in bullet points are a good thing. Tell people stories, use, big impactful photos or you know use numbers that fill the whole screen to get across if you want people to remember there's one slide i use in a lot of my presentations where i talk about a 34 percent rate and compared to when i used to present it uh, in person and it was just a bullet point now in terms of reshaping things and emphasizing i just have the the numbers 34 filling the whole screen and that's what I talk about. So how do you get that impact, the visual impact, really focused? You've got to be shorter than you would be offline. So, you know, when we said, you know, it's hard to stand for an hour. Well, I would argue you probably shouldn't be standing for an hour. An online presentation shouldn't be more than 40 minutes, ideally. Yeah, maybe even shorter. Our show now is 27 minutes. That seems to be perfect. Um, David Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. And check out his book. It's available on Amazon to rock your presentations, make them better and look better, sound better, all those things that we talked about. David, uh, nice to see you. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Christoph. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.